podcast brother todd what's up man it's been a busy recording day it's been a great recording day two great guests my we're supposed to have a third guest uh and he is ready now so uh we're gonna take a brief pause for just a second and uh we will be right back all right brother todd we uh we have our guest on the on the line uh he is a indiana boy who is now an alabama boy playing with aliens yep play with aliens uh brother tim poe tim why don't you introduce yourself and uh clarify what i mean by playing with aliens because i just think it's cool and i I want you to tell everybody hey brothers how's it going um I guess my, my full intro, I'm Tim Poe, past master of Speedway Lodge 500 in Speedway, Indiana, and a plural member with Falkville Lodge 396 and Nut Odin 398 down here in, in Alabama. Oh, wow. But uh, to clarify the, the point, uh, <laughs> I'm a contractor working at NASA Marshall Space Flight Center down here in Alabama. So He's playing with play aliens. With, <laughs> Play with I, I <laughs> well tim uh you have been somebody that we have wanted to have on the show for a little while now when we started really doing these interviews we mentioned that we were going to have you your father reached out to us uh your father will be a guest on here at one point as well uh but uh todd and i are still working on you know narrowing or excuse me nailing down a format for these interview episodes but we start everyone the same way and i'm sure as you uh you are a supporter of the show you know how this goes so uh tell everybody how and why you got into freemasonry okay i got into freemasonry i joined lodge at 18 years old and it's a it's a funny story because Back in 2004 is when that actually came about, and my dad was master for the first time back in 2004 and was very much not a fan of being able to join at 18, so... Oh, really? Hmm. I, he was not, and then I joined at 18, so he had to eat some crow on that, but hmm. I grew up around Lodge. Um, it's something that I've, I've always known, and I, I thoroughly... I love the fraternity. I love being around everybody. I have fondest memories going way back to the Scottish Rite Christmas parties. And so it's something I've always been around of. And everybody that I knew around, like my dad and growing up, was it, it kind of just allowed me to be it was a natural progression. Right. And my, my dad's a, you know, obviously a past master. My, my grandpa, my mom's side was a, is a past master. My grandfather on my, my dad's side was a 50 plus year Mason. And my great grandfather that I knew, uh, who gave me my Masonic ring that I wear today was a Mason as well that I knew. So it was, it was family. And that's kind of how I, I got into it, and I joined, and I, I haven't looked back. It's been an amazing eleven years so far. Yeah, I know you're a well versed Mason. The time I sat lodge with you, you getting uh, you give some of the harder lectures. You had a past master's degree one night, which 
I don't think I, I would ever attempt a past master's degree right now, even though I've been in 20-something years. But you do a fantastic job with all, all the work I've seen you do so far. Let's not sell, let's not sell Tim short here. Uh, the Stare Lecture. Oh, yeah, the Stare Lecture, though, he's one of the hardest ones. He met his flawless. Oh, yeah. Flawless. Well, I, I appreciate that. I really do. But uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I'd be nowhere in my Masonic career if I didn't have amazing mentors throughout the 11 years I've been in. And that has constantly pushed me to continue to do ritual work. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, just to name a few, you've got Phil Atkins, Jerry Matlock, mm-hmm. Ken Ruckersfeld, Carl Coleman, uh, past grandmaster, uh, Frank Woods, who's a past master of Speedway, who, who's no longer with us, uh, Eric Ruckersfeld, Jim Sharp, Harold Huffman. It's the list goes on. Jackie Ash that oh, yeah. have just continued to push me and push me to learn, and I I wouldn't be anywhere that I am without them. That's for. And there's several that I probably haven't mentioned. Two of those, two of those guys are going to be future guests on the show, and actually, uh, Jim Sharp and Harold Huffman. And actually, I'd like to pair them with uh, Brother Bill Shobe, who's an extremely important to me. My goal is to. It would be an awesome afternoon to do all three of those together because I hold all three of them in some of the highest regards together. So, uh, oh, yeah. Brother Harold Huffman did my Bible presentation on uh, Leap Day, February 29th of uh, 2008. Brother Harold did my Bible presentation. That's cool. So, yeah. Now, Tim, yeah, Harold's. Uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, go ahead. I, I got a question, but you can I, wait. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, Harold, uh, I, I drove a lot of miles, me and Harold together, and I actually, the first time I did the second lecture, the Entered Apprentice degree was with Harold, so uh, he's, a, he's a great mason and great man. Oh, yeah. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite stories about Harold is actually a recent story, which uh, for those listeners that aren't Southern Indiana local, you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. Brother Harold had some health issues going on towards the end of last year and uh, some major health issues, and they told him to stay at home and bed rest, and three days later he was doing lecture work at a degree. He didn't even stay home. That's that's, that's two things that's pretty awesome. That's that's dedication to the craft, and that's old school tough, that kind oh, yeah. of tough you can't teach anymore. No, you can't. You'd be burned into you. Uh, Tim, were you uh, were you in Demolay also? I was not. Uh, yeah, my dad were. was my dad was a senior Demolay. <clears throat> uh, I was I was not in Demolay. I had the honor of receiving the honorary Legion of Honor this past year, okay. um, but I do not earn. I did. I don't feel like I earned that, but that is something that I am trying to earn right now. Uh, to live up to getting that honor. But I was not in Demolay. Because for your dad said you were in Demolay also, but, you know, maybe it was somebody that thought you, I always thought you were. Usually guys with you, your aptitude for Freemasonry usually go through They start years. in Demolay. They start in Demolay, yeah. Where I was, I was never fortunate enough to be in Demolay. I had to kind of bump my way into it. <laughs> no, but I know something Tim is a part of. What's that? Uh, Bartimaeus. Uh, Tim, for those listeners who might not have caught <clears throat> our interview with brother phil and uh why don't you just kind of explain what bartimaeus is because i know that's something that's near and dear to your heart i I am a member of bartimaeus i uh so i joined bartimaeus probably about halfway through my 
Masonic career so far. It's a an amazing amazing lodge. It's under dispensation from the Grand Lodge, um, so it has to get renewed every year by the incoming Grand Master. And what we do is we go around and put on degree work for anybody with any kind of disability. Um, and we're not allowed to change the ritual, but we, we modify the floor work. And it's something that it allow, there's only a hundred active members in the state with several on the honorary list that it's the top ritualists in the state, in my opinion, that go, that go around and put on degree work to help Freemasonry. For example, and if a, if a brother's got a hurt back, maybe you don't lay him on the floor. If a brother's Real got true. PTSD about being blindfolded, maybe you don't blindfold them type thing. Yes. Yes. Any, you know, anything we do and, uh, I know Brother Brother Phil did a great job explaining it on the interview you did with him. But, yeah, he's just got a – he'll be going into Junior Warden this year, the line, and I uh, am now a past secretary. I did that for a year for Bartimaeus. So mm-hmm. now I'm, a, I'm an honorary member. I just – I help out when I can. I had the privilege and honor to do a fellowcraft degree for them at Mooresville Lodge uh, about a month or so back. So I still try to stay active. Tim, I, I got a question for you. With uh, with uh, you being down in Alabama, and you've, of course, now you, you got involved in lodges down there, so you're still able to, to go to lodge and everything. Have you uh, – do they do any Bartimaeus work down there? Is that still strictly kind of an Indiana thing? Have you brought up to them, like, hey, there's this thing we, we did back home? Is there a – is there anything like that down there? Has there been talks of anything like that down there? Uh, no, Bartimaeus, as far as I'm aware, we're, we're the only in the country, if not the world, Indiana is the only one that has uh, a lodge like that. I was out in D.C. for a work trip at the beginning of the year, and I mentioned it out there, and it was I had brothers coming up asking the same questions, like, what is Bartimaeus? And it's something that should be more universal than what it is currently. Yeah, absolutely. It just seems like you'd be the type of guy to uh, facilitate change and try to bring that to to the areas you are. I just see that being something that you end up, you know, helping with one day. It's just yeah. I don't want to put too much on you. It's just the type of mason you are, the type of man you are. I can see that being something like, hey, I'm going to facilitate a change here and uh, bring this to the area I'm in now. Well, I appreciate that. That is something I would I would love to be able to do. Um, right now, I'm working on trying to get a DMLA chapter in the area where the two lodges that I belong to are. So there's DMLA is in Alabama, but it it could be a lot bigger. And DMLA really is the future of you know bringing in young men into masonry. Oh yeah. yeah so Tim. Uh, now that you you've been down in Alabama, what about a year now? A little over a year, if I'm not mistaken. I celebrated a year last week. Okay. So, my question for you: uh, How many degrees do you think you've seen down in Alabama now? I ballpark. You ain't got to nail it down. Uh, five or ten. Um, five or ten. Notice anything different, ritual-wise, there versus is... what you've seen here at home? Uh, there is differences, um, and that's that's the beauty of traveling. Um, I've seen differences between here when I was out in D.C. To, to Indiana. There's, there's 
quite a little bit of differences, some nuances on some verbiages or how the lectures are kind of developed. But in the end, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It all comes down to the same messages. And that's the unique thing about the fraternity that we love is it's universal. Yeah. You could, you've got a brother here that will be just as brotherly to you as if you go to DC or around the world. And I've got tons of stories that can, uh, can elaborate on that. <laughs> Tim, uh, I know this is going to be kind of an oddball question, but when you got down to Huntsville and you got down in there and you got settled in, how long did it take you to find a lodge and decide, Hey, I'm going to join this one. Well, I actually, from Worshipful Brother Doug Patmore, put a post about me moving to Alabama. And there was a brother down here named Mike Brewer. Um, we started talking, and he was really the first person I talked to. And he's a member of Fallfield Lodge that I'm a member of. And I forget the other lodge he's a member of. But I, you know, I started down here. I kind of, I went to a lodge, and then... I was actually at work, and one of the uh, past master was coming due on, a, on an inspection for work. And we started talking a little bit, and he invited me to come to the lodge. And that was um, Don Palmer, pa- past master of uh, Falkville Lodge. So I went there, and it just so happened to unite with Mike Brewer again. And that's, that was the first lodge I joined. And then I met brothers Eric Craven and Nicky Tidmore. And once I met them, I... It just, that lodge, it felt like home. And then I went over to Nun Odin, and it had the same feeling. And those two lodges have been so good to me. I I wanted to be to be able to contribute and join both of those lodges. So that's why I did that. So they're pretty active lodges down there, I take it? Uh, yes. They, have, they meet twice a month. Oh, wow. So, and what's great about the two lodges is they meet every other Tuesday. So I can go to lodge once a week every tuesday so oh, that's pretty nice. cool yeah. i don't know if my wife lit me up that much so. <laughs> <laughs> so tim uh you know just like i said we we you know we're we're gonna get good at our jobs one day and get yeah. a format so it's mainly just the questions we can think of until we get one narrowed down but uh you've been a huge supporter of the show and uh this is just kind of uh not really to pat me and todd on the back but to just kind of gauge uh how our content is reaching but uh when did you hear about todd and i having a podcast i guess you just seen it from being friends with us on facebook or did you find out about it another way or actually i I saw it on facebook and then worship brother phil called me one day and i was i was just got done from the flying at the airport i was heading back to Alabama and he goes hey they mentioned you on the, on the podcast I go really yeah Owen it was from the one you guys did I believe it was, was Founders Day right yeah. Owen Vermeulen yep yeah yep. so I heard you guys mention me on that you guys said some very flattering things about me which I appreciate and well they're all true all of them. it's all true Hey, just mail us a check for whatever you think is possible. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we take donations, (laughs) Tim. (laughs) But no, I mean, you're one of the young, I guess, for better word, stars of Freemasonry, especially around Indiana and everything. I mean, everyone knows, around Central Indiana knows, you know, everybody in Southern Indiana knows and everything. So To, to gauge, to gauge where I think what you mean to the fraternity is is uh you've heard me mention in high regards how much i think of tyler whitaker 
and how Tyler's going to be a future Grand Line officer, I would hang my hat on the statement that had you still been here at home and not moved to Alabama, Tim, I, I hang my hat on you would have got into Grand Line eventually because that's what you're doing for the fraternity. That's how much you mean. That's how knowledgeable and passionate you are. You would have been in the Grand Line eventually. Or so, well, I so, appreciate so. that. What's the possibility you are moving back, Tim? Yeah, Tim, when are you coming home? When are you going to quit playing with aliens and come home? Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I love what I do. I, I truly do love what I do down here. I try to make it up to Indiana as much as I can. Um, I'll plug my, my dad's lodge. Belleville Lodge 65 is having a, a one-day class on May the 6th. Um, from what I've heard, it's a bib overalls dress code. And We've one. talked about that. Yeah, I, I heard about it the other day, the bib overalls degree. That's how I, I, I was, when I was installed master for the first time, my uh, installation was bibs and beans night. <laughs> it, so, it, uh, it, it, my, it didn't end very well. <laughs> well, uh, it's, uh, so it's going to be a, hopefully a good day. And uh, I try to support as much as I can because – my bro- my dad's master again this year, and my brother is a senior warden. So that's, uh, you know, that's another thing that Lodge has been very good to my family over the years, and it's actually really, really helping my family. So uh, my brother is doing extremely well. I'm very happy that he's he joined line and – have you seen pictures of Tim's brother, Todd? No, I haven't. They look like they could pass for twins. Like I know, <laughs> I know. Generally, you know, siblings tend to look alike for the most part, or some do. Tim's brother and and Tim side by side look like they could be twins. <laughs> That's my opinion, but you know. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> my, uh, it's a it's a, it's a great fraternity and. Just to you know, illustrate a point that we were talking about how universal it is. When my brother had his his accident or incident, there was brothers from D.C. that I never met that didn't know me from Adam and didn't know anybody in my family went and spent hours at the hospital with my brother, just talking oh, wow. to him and my family and anything that my family needed, they were going to take care of without question, and that. That means a lot, and that just shows how universal it is and how no matter where you are in the world, you have a brother. Oh, yeah. And that, that's what we're about. Uh, Tim, I know you, you briefly mentioned this when we first started this episode, but uh, this has been a new question I've been throwing out all day, and I'm going to throw it out to you. And I know it's hard to to pick one, but uh, it, it really – it's not so much as you're just picking one person and it's putting down a whole bunch of others. It's more or less letting you shine light on one particular brother, Mason, who is near and dear to your heart. But if you had to pick one single individual who has been the most influential on you in your Masonic journey and has had such a profound impact on you, if you had to name just one person in all your travels, do you know who that person would be? I actually, I don't think I can answer that straightly. Um, I'll do my best. I'll break it down and, and kind of cheat the question a little bit. How's that? that? Hey, whatever works for you, buddy. So when it comes to, I want to, I want to kind of break that down because I wouldn't be in masonry without my father, without my grandfather, without my grandparents. Right. So I, I so there's that aspect. 
I wouldn't be the ritualist I am without, you know, Phil Atkins, Jerry Matlock, Ken Ruckersfeld, you know, pushing me to continue to do things. And I'll, and I'll highlight Phil for an inst- for a second because I did a, a degree work on a Saturday and I didn't do as well as I wanted to that day. And I was going to Lime Lodge Monday with Phil. And Phil goes, well, you're doing it again. I'm like, I, I think I'm going to sit on the sidelines and just take a break. And I believe Ryan was mastered. Ryan comes up, well, Phil volunteered you and him to do uh, that lecture again. Todd, I you know. and I seen this degree. This was something in 2021, 2022-ish. Yeah. You and I seen this degree. We went to Line Lodge. This was one of the first few times I came back to Lodge. Oh, when they did they, the, did, uh, they did the back and forth. They did oh, the 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 dialogue lecture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. was so. That was one of them. And then the other time I think you saw it was when I did the first slide lecture for the entered apprentice degree. Mm-hmm. Yes. I got a call. I got a call from Phil on a Sunday afternoon. I believe it was. And Phil goes, "Hey, I volunteered us to do a lecture tomorrow night." You go, <laughs> "Okay, which one?" He goes, first slide lecture." And I go. Phil, I, I don't know that lecture. Goes, well, you got 24 hours. You can do it. And that sounds familiar. Phil and, I, Phil and I did it. And so in that respect, that push, because I, you know, I'm going through the rituals program, and that's a lot to do with Phil and another brother, worst brother, Pat Elmore, who's a past master of Frank S. Land. I didn't keep track of all the things that I've done up until – a year ago, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't keep track of this. I just, I just didn't. Yeah. And they, they, those two really encouraged me to, to keep, keep on it. Um, another name, most worship brother, Carl Coleman. Um, Carl's been influential in my life from, well, let's put it this way. Carl was at the hospital the day I was born with my parents. Oh, wow. So I, so I've known Carl my, my entire life. Oh. So that's on that side of the coin. And then just everybody I, I, I talk to that I look up to, you know, I, I don't think I have a single person because like Phil said, we're, we're family. So yeah. I, I would, I, I can't answer that question straight. So sorry. I gave you a, no, a that, that is there. fine. I like the way you handled that. That's, that is okay. Yeah, I had a mentor like Phil up uh, I was north of Indy, growing up up there and everything, and the Don Nezzi was his name. And I think I was a master mason for, I don't know, maybe six months. I went to a lodge, and as soon as I walked in, he's like, that man right there would do anything you want to do on an apprentice degree. And I really couldn't. And so like, well, hey, can you do the work lecture? Oh, okay, I can do the work lecture. But well, wasn't a week later I was doing the charge of the EA degree. And the EA degree, uh, the charge of the EA degree isn't one you can learn overnight. I mean, it has a no, lot. No, it is not. It kind of, it doesn't really flow right. It, doesn't, it, kinda, it jumps around quite a bit, I think. But, you know, I had to basically learn that. And I had been learning it. And I kind of had to, you know, cram it, cram it all in in about, what, the first 30 minutes of the EA degree. <laughs> like, like uh, come on, Don, help me out here, bud. But that's how, that's kind of pushed me into doing ritual work. Like, well, if you're going to volunteer me, I might as well go ahead and start learning this stuff. <laughs> I I was that way. Um, I went to a Master Mason degree. The I think it was a week or two after I got my Master Mason degree, and Frank uh, Frank Woods goes, "There's your uh, 
memory, your work lecture individual, and I go, thanks, thanks, Frank. Yeah, but, uh, appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> no, and you know, Phil's great in that aspect, and so is Jerry. I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight Jerry Matlock for a minute because when I started learning middle chamber, I I couldn't finish it. I got so far, and I just couldn't. You know, I would get a little bit further, and Jerry Matlock. It was at a one day class for. It was in 2020 at a one day class that the Grand Lodge was putting on. I go, Jerry, this is where I'm at. And Jerry goes, no worries. You go as far as you can, and I've got you. And he, I went as far as I could. Jerry took over, and we did that several times. And when I came mm-hmm. down and started working with Phil, Phil helped me. Yeah. Every time I would get a little bit farther and a little bit farther to the point where I could get all the way through it. And that's something that is the beauty about a lot of the lectures in our degree work is if you don't get it all, but you start it, there is so many brothers that are willing oh, yeah. to help you through it. Yep. Yep. I know. Uh, I forgot what you going to say now. I'm sorry, Jerry. What are you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I was just <laughs> listening. So I, I was listening to your story, Tim. I was thinking I, that's the same thing happened to me where – uh, I was at Lodge one time, and the guy was doing a stair lecture all by but first time by himself. And he did a beautiful job. He got all the way over to the junior warden. He goes, okay, that's all I remember. You know what? Like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> with Tim being such a stickler for, for ritualism, uh, I I tried the stair lecture. I got the first two pages down, and then I just quit trying. I guess I, I don't have a – I could always go back and try to pick it up again, but – I'm a stickler because uh, I know there's the short ver- the short version, and a lot of people like that. But I'm an old school stickler. Like if you're gonna give the stare lecture, you're gonna give the stare lecture. Yeah. You're not gonna short form it because yeah, you've got everything you need in that shortened version of it, but it loses ninety percent of its impact when you do the shortened version of it. I think you're right. So I have a lot of respect for brothers who are ritualists. I have an even more profound respect for brothers that learn the entire stair lecture. Because that's something that's hard to do. That is the single hardest lecture to learn out of everything we practice in ritual. I don't care what anybody says. I'll die on that hill. There's one harder. There's not one harder than stair lecture. lecture. I actually disagree with you. Oh, really? I I wholeheartedly disagree with you. No offense, brother, but I No, no. That that is the beauty of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you... Well... Go ahead with it. There's, there's a couple that I think are harder. Todd the, said funeral lecture. The funeral lecture, the funeral lecture is, I believe, hard because of the atmosphere you're doing it in. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a very solemn service. I will I will say to be done beautifully. I will say, and I told this to Phil. I said it's it's depressing and it's also humbling that the most beautiful aprons we have are the funeral aprons because just the way that that black goes together phil's apron is black his funeral apron it is the most beautiful apron i've seen out of all the ones we have and i'm like it's pretty sad that the most beautiful apron we have is tied to a somber moment anyways so So the second slide lecture in the Inner Apprentice is probably the one of, if not the hardest, 
Um, but I honestly think the letter G in charge for me has been the hardest. Yeah, Out of all the things I've done, it is it's the hardest. Um, and that's and that's the thing is, it's all relative. Uh, yeah. There's people that you know joke with me that says I'm young and I've got the memory. I can just look at something and memorize it. <laughs> they don't see the hours and the of just work like. The frustration yeah, and everything was, else. Yeah. yeah, I was working on uh, a couple parts today, and last night I knew them. Today I don't, so I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My, I, I tell this story, and it, jokingly, of course, that my my dog knows the middle chamber lecture better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was driving. Phil and his rabbits. Yep. Phil and his rabbits. Yeah, <laughs> Phil and his rabbits. Uh, me and my dog. I was driving up mm. to the uh, Indianapolis one day, and I was going through the middle chamber because I was going to give it, and. I, I apparently just went on a rabbit hole that wasn't right, and my my dog hopped up, tapped me on my shoulder, and shook shook her head and made back down. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm done. <laughs> Take a little break, Dad. Come on. <laughs> you know, it, go ahead. Oh, I've had guys ask me, you know, how do you how do you memorize this stuff? I mean, because. You know, I've you know I've done all three degrees. I've done all the chairs, everything like that. I've never got the lectures yet, but I'm working on them. But they say, how do you memorize all that stuff? I say, you start with the first word, memorize first, second word, memorize first, second, third. I say, that's all you have to do, and you can go over it a thousand times until you have it all memorized. Yep. You start, you start biting off chunks. Next thing you know, you learned all of it. It's like, holy crap, how do I do that? But you know, everybody says, well, how do you memorize it? There's no secret. You just have to sit there and read it and read it and read it until you have it down. That's all I can tell it's, anybody. And, you know, there's certain different ways. Uh, my dad memorized everything to music. Oh, wow. That, that works for him. Uh, <laughs> it's always funny. I, I, I pick on him, but he tells this story anyway, so I can get away with it. <laughs> and the time he hears this, you know, I'm six hours away, so I've got some notice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, he does the apron lecture beautifully. But there's a part in it that he was learning to, I think it was a Monkeys or a Doors song, and the record actually had a skip in it. So you'll see him going along, and then there'll be a pause, and then he just starts again, and that's that's where that record skips. skips. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I never had any, I did, that, I, that's one of the first things I learned besides the crossfires was the apron lecture. I don't know why it came to me so naturally. And I, I conferred an EA degree a couple weeks ago here at our lodge, and they didn't get anybody to do the apron lecture. I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing the apron lecture. <laughs> so I go there, and I haven't given, have given apron lecture since I was my first, My I think I was still a junior deacon or senior deacon last time I gave the apron lecture. But it just something that rolled right off my tongue. I didn't miss a beat. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> <coughs> That's, my, that's uh, one degree my, that was easy. Or one part of the degree that my, was easy for me. The first lecture part that I learned besides the crossfires, obviously, was the optional charge for the Master Mason degree. Okay, on Yonder Book. On Yonder Book. And that was something that I used to do quite a bit. And that was something that meant a lot to me because my grandfather did it for me. Oh, okay, cool. And I think it was a year and a half ago, two years ago. I did it for a candidate at Speedway, and my grandpa comes up to me afterwards, and by, by all means, for 
you know, nine to 11 years at this point, I've been trying to emulate the way he did it for me. Right. I've been in my memory trying to do it. And he walks up and goes, you know, Tim, you did a great job with that. However, you don't do it anything like I do. I'm like, well, I've been trying to do it just like you for all these years, but it's, uh, and that's the thing is, you know, Jackie Ash used to pick on me because I used to not stand in one place. And that was something that, you know, any little thing to make you a better ritualist, better presentation, mm-hmm. that's what we do. It's all about, masonry is about making yourself better. Yeah. And that's not only, you know, I think Phil mentioned this in your in your interview of him, going through life and hearing little pieces of ritual when you're going through like a part that's rough or you're trying to get it to a spot where it's like, I don't know what to do. And a piece of ritual pops in your head. Yeah. It just kind of helps guide you. And that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I find I have this lot here lately with me. I've been training a lot of guys at work and stuff. And a lot of times I have to remember that, you know, it's ritual pop in my head. These guys frustrate me. I have to remember, okay, I'm, I can't blow my low. I can't, you know, blow my top on these guys. You're just learning, you know, how would the, how to deal with this a certain way. I mean, it's really helped me out a bunch learning the ritual and taking, uh, you know, basically learning what it all means. Cause I went through, I went through my chairs through lodge pretty quick. I was master in like four years and then I was four years being in the master's chair. And now I'm going back and I'm relearning everything. You know, I'm kind of learning more of the meanings now, what it really means, and why, how it says this way, it says it a certain way. How, basically, I'm saying like, you know, you put an inflection where you don't think an inflection would be, but it works better that way. You kind of get what I'm saying? I do, and that's something that, that takes time because there's a lot of there's a lot of brothers that learn the ritual and do an amazing job of giving it, but. It's, and then you have some that take take it a step farther and put a little bit of inflection here, a little bit of inflection there. And it's, you know, that's something that I think, you know, Worst Brother Phil has definitely taught me. It's how to give the ritual to, because everybody's there for that candidate. Right. So it's how to make that night more special for that individual. Exactly. Because that's, that's why we're there. Yeah. I know uh, I love hearing guys that go, you don't want those parrot masons, those guys who just hear it and repeat it back. Parroting ritual. Just just say it as fast as they can with no meaning to it, no feeling, just put it out there. I I never wanted to be that guy. Now, I have done it in the past when I'm just learning it and I have it down, but I just give it so fast, I don't, you know, I don't put any any feeling into it. Don't make it feel special for that candidate. And I always tell guys, like, you're not repeating a ritual, you're teaching a lesson. Mm-hmm. And that's why Phil Atkins playing the role of King Solomon. Oh, he's great. Is just so well done. Yeah. Well, and I'm working on. I'm going to do King Solomon uh, at the one day class for my dad, and I'm taking inspiration from you know Phil, Harold, my dad. You know all the in- so that's how I learn ritual. It's like I learn the ritual and I get the I get the verbiage down, mm-hmm. but then I go and you know. I lift different parts from people that I, brothers that I've seen that, oh, I really like how that's done. Or I really like how he did that. And then I try to make that into my own. And that's, and that makes it, because then it's real for me is that this is kind of what I like from seeing 
this individual do it and perform, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to try to take that and make it my own. Exactly. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I know what I do. Uh, I did Keith Solomon in the past. One of the guys I looked up to from a Greentown Lodge up around Kokomo, he always gave a different prayer than the one they usually give to gravesite and everything in the, in the second section of Master Mason. And I was like, you know, I want to learn that. Well, he had it written down on a piece of paper, and I learned that. And I don't know how many guys have, have commented how, how how special it is to have a different prayer at the you know during yeah. the second section and everything. Yeah. And my, I've seen guys just make up prayers and I've seen them read it out of the monitor stuff like that. But I learned this one, and it's it's a I have to come from Scottish one of Scottish Rite degrees, but it fits in perfect with that. You know about tree being cut down and everything like that. It's more emphasis on the a tree being regrown. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Okay, sidebar, can I steal my show, our show? Uh, Two minutes. Here we go, go ahead. So I have this other podcast, Steel Toes and Scoreboards. We don't, I don't tell everybody not to listen to that (laughs) because I'm a little more vulgar and profane on that, right? So last night, sidebar, two minutes. Humor me. You said the exact phrase, cut down a tree, right? Right. Okay, so last night, I go to Kurt's house. We're going to record. Hang on. Hang on. We decide that we're going to talk about, we're going to do our first ever watch along. So I'm going to set up the third mic and I'm going to put a phone beside it to, uh, and we're going to do a watch along. We're going to do the 1985 NCAA title game. Georgetown, Patrick Ewing, and Villanova, Ed Pickney. So we get over there and Kurt's like, well, let's eat first. So we get a pizza. His son goes and picks it up. Then Kurt's neighbor comes over. He's going to cut down this cedar tree in Kurt's yard, okay? Right. Okay. Kurt's son comes back in. His exact words, well, we're going to leave it to the professionals. I said, what do you mean? He says he's got it under control. He's done this 20 million times. I said, do I need to go move my minivan? Because, you know, I I hate the minivan, but I also kind of like it because I can fit all three kids in there, lay seat down. It's practical. I drive it every day because my truck gets about six miles to the gallon. Right. So he's like, no, he says he's got it. I'm like, okay, if I hear glass breaking, I'm going to be upset. 20 minutes goes by. We hear, food. The tree falls, and then all the power in Kurt's house is gone. (laughs) And I lost it. Laughing. I lost it. I have never seen this man in two years be so upset. So, you know, we're supposed to be talking about Tim, but when you said the exact phrase... Cut a tree down. I I'd stop myself because that was priceless last night. That's like the highlight of my week was Kurt losing power. So he said, Well, what do you want? I said, What do you want to do? He goes, Well, what do you mean? I'm like, Well, I got enough juice on the laptop. I can power everything for about three hours. I was like, But I don't think I'm, you're in the mood anymore. So I'm sorry, brothers. Please continue. But I could not help myself when you said cut down a tree. He's the guy's like he said he's done it twenty million times and thirty minutes later, boom, tree falls and all the power goes. Out. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Continue. You see, you see I'll, mute, deal with her? I'll mute my mic. I'm gonna mute my mic so you guys can talk. You see what I gotta deal with here, Tim. <laughs> I, you know, you're never not entertained. Yeah, that's true. You're never not entertained. That is true. That's my job on this show is to provide the entertainment. I'm I'm the uh, comedy man to Todd Straight man. I guess. Yeah. You're his avid to his Costello. That's right. Who's on first? 
Tim, let me ask you a question. Oh, here we go. Um, And here's one I'm going to start throwing in on more and more of these interview series. So I know your Masonic journey and your travels are far from being done. But so far in your time, what has been the the most awe-inspiring thing you've seen, the most awesome moment you've been a part of, whether it was your own moment in your own journey or someone else's? What's been like that moment of reverential awe where you're just like, wow, that happened and I was a part of it? That's that's a tough question. I mean, going through the degree work, obviously, um, that's very special. Um, you know, the, the past master degree is always a, a very special night, of, but it's, it's really hard to narrow down. I think, honestly, every time I witness a degree and seeing a brother brought to light, that is special. Um, oh, yeah. But I think... To narrow, I honestly think it will go back to a point that I, I we talked about earlier is how universal masonry is, is that, you know, it doesn't matter who, who you are or anything, everybody, we're all there for each other. And it goes back to when my brother was hurt in the hospital, there were brothers that I had never met, don't even know, they, they, they would pass me on the street wouldn't even know who I was from a different state, different jurisdiction. Didn't matter. They were there and spent time with my brother. Right. And that that right there is the most, I think, most profound statement that just shows that we're all there for each other. Okay. That's a good answer. Probably the best one I heard. Um, do you know, Tim, uh, me and Todd, and, and uh, you know, you've known me and Todd a couple of years now, and you've been a huge follower of the show, and you hear, you hear me and Todd talk a lot about facilitating change and what you can do to change the culture and how you can get guys from being dues payers to being active members and things you can do to increase your visibility in the community. And you seem like uh, such, a, such a, a mason with a good head on his shoulders and you know how to speak in public and everything. What kind of things? What kind of things would you do uh, to increase visibility and, and get attendance back to where it would be in a lodge, or to get new members to join? Like, what kind of things would you, you know, recommend to a lodge out there that's struggling? You know, that's that's a question that I think every master faces: is how to get your numbers back into a stated meeting or degree work. And honestly, I think it's as simple as just picking up the phone. You you have the phone numbers of the brothers of the lodge. If you hadn't seen someone in a while, just pick them up, call him and ask how he's doing. Say, hey, we're having this for dinner on Tuesday or Thursday, whatever night you're meeting. Come out. Or hey, we're all getting together and going to breakfast on a Saturday. I think that is the place to start of just reconnecting because I know COVID had a huge impact on on masonry because we were shut down. We couldn't meet. And a lot of brothers got out of the rhythm of coming to lodge. And that's one way to start. And then just... Try involving the family, doing fun nights where they can bring 
their wives, their kids. Uh, I think uh, a lodge in Evansville, uh, I can't remember the name, I, I apologize, was doing movie nights. Uh, mm-hmm. we, did a, we did a pink lodge where the Ladies Oriental mm-hmm. Shrine came in, to, came in and put a uh, on what they think goes on in a Masonic degree or meeting. And it was, it was a great time. But it was the ability to have a great dinner and, and fellowship. So I think just reaching out to the brothers is what we should be doing anyways. But I think that would help. Tim, I want, I, want you to, I want you to hit back on that one more time. You, you said it was a pink night and the ladies, they put on what they thought went on in our, in our lodge. Yes. Now that's. I've heard of this before. I, I would love to have one of those up here, mm-hmm. or at any of the three lodges in Du Bois County. I think that would be fantastic. That would be a fun time. It would be a wholesome family. I wonder how that would go. Hopefully, it wouldn't go over like a fart in church. I hope no. it would be a. You know that <laughs> I would. Think, uh, I think it'd be all right. It, it's. Uh, it was a great time. I had brought a friend of mine that had uh, not really seen much of masonry, and she had a great time. So I think it's it's just a, a good, wholesome, or even just having a family dinner where bring everybody in, have a meal, have that fellowship, mm-hmm. because that, that'll start getting everybody back into the swing of things, and that's all it really takes. A simple phone call goes a long way. Well, kind of like we had our soup dinner up here, and everybody, like uh, Dallas... Uh, Dallas Skinner's yeah, boy. Yeah, Skinner's boy came up with his girlfriend or fiance, whatever she is, and a lot of the wives came up. We and afterwards we just kind of hung out for a good, you know, hour, hour and forty five minutes to you know, BS and having a good time with it. And had a, we had a good time doing the whole dinner and everything, but then we just had a good time hanging out, cleaning up. <clears throat> I don't think enough lodges actually do that. I don't think we do it enough. Like mm-hmm. I brought, I brought up having a euchre night uh, one one Saturday afternoon, or Saturday evening. And like, well, so and so's doing this, so and so's doing that. And like, okay, well, let's figure out a night we can do this. So we can have all the Masons in Dubois County come together to have a Euchre night and give away a little, you know, cheap prize or something like that for the winter. And You we, don't want to have Euchre night up here, I'm telling you. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am gonna I'm gonna be a, a disservice to Indiana, but I don't I I don't play Euchre, so What? I don't know. Hang up the phone. <laughs> I don't play euchre. I, I'm a strictly a rummy fan. Yeah, but, uh, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. Well, I love hey, rummy. I'm a transplant from Missouri. Don't know how to play euchre. What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> I, I just I grew up not playing euchre, and I I, guarantee, I have Indiana friends down here and some friends from Ohio that work with me that make fun of me constantly for not knowing how to play euchre, but oh, that's just I'm not, not my, good at not it, my but thing. I play it. <laughs> I, I, I'm not good at it either. I, I, the last time I played, I, I was so bad at it. They asked me to never play again. And I just obliged. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> can't fault them for that, I guess. <laughs> I know, I'm not very good. I got friends of mine who they, they cheat constantly. And it's hard for me to tell if they're cheating because I play so bad at it. <laughs> Right, but it's just fun for me. But it's just the reason to get a fellowship night in the lodge and have something to do. It's not a movie where everybody's got to be quiet. They probably could just, 
you know, if they do anything, play cards, play board games for all I care. But all right, let I mean, me let me hit you with this, both of you. Knock out the park. Buddy. The num the number of lodges, not just across the Hoosier State, but the number of lodges across the United States. The lodges that are declining, the lodges that are shutting down, that are closing their doors. Do you think that at least a solid 50% of that is because people aren't coming back because they're not being satiated enough during meetings, no education, or because there's no fellowship before or after meetings or on special nights? Like, what can you... What can you put your finger on the pulse of and say this is the root cause of this? I I, I don't really have a good answer for that. I mean, it could be both, really. I mean, you think about it. If I think a new mastermate comes to the lodge and all they do is uh, they don't have a dinner beforehand, nothing like that, There's no fellowship. Everybody, too, they they come in late, right? Like they come in at seven o'clock, open lodge, read the minutes, pay the bills. Okay, anything else? We're out. I mean, why would anybody want to come back for that? Well, ask Tim. You you ask every interviewee the question, but you never did ask Tim. What keeps you coming back? Yeah, what kept you coming back after your third degree? Ask him. I just did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's official. He's asked me. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, it was the fellowship. Uh, it was – it's a night that everybody gets along. I mean – there may be there be maybe brothers that I, I may not particularly see eye to eye on things with at times, but they're still my brother. If they called me and they needed something, I'd be there for them. Yeah. yeah. That's and I just enjoy it. It's you know I have never known I I don't have memories that I can recall that were not around the lodge. You know, whether it be at uh, breakfast with Santa at Belleville Lodge when I was a kid sitting on Santa's lap or the Scottish Rite, you know, Halloween parties, seeing, you know, Carl walk around in flippers and a full dive outfit taking pictures or <laughs> my dad when he was the Grim Reaper there climbing up the Scottish Rite stairs with stilts on. It's, oh, wow. <laughs> I, have, I have no... You know, I have full memories of just being around the brotherhood. I grew up in it, in a sense, and it's it's a part of me. It means a lot to me, so I take it extremely serious. And yeah. that's, you know, that's something that, you know, bothers me when I see it not being taken serious. That's, yeah. you know, I, that's why I want to learn all the ritual, because... I want to gain every bit of knowledge from the ritual, from Lodge, from the brothers, because, you know, that's that's the friendships I've made through Lodge are, are amazing. Um, I was talking with worship brother Max Holland. You know, he got me into playing hickory golf. I never thought I, you know, that was something I never thought I would be able to do and you know, Max could, you know, beat me at golf with both hands tied behind his back, but it's still fun to go out and play. I it's, shoot a, I shoot know, about a 72 on the first hole. over par. <laughs> I, I shoot mid-80s on a good day. <laughs> it but it's, 
it, it's just that kind of atmosphere that is it keeps you coming back because it's all walks of life oh, yeah. where we meet on we we're all, all on the level so we all have these different experiences that we come and we can learn from <laughs> and that's the beauty of it is we have so much that our brothers can teach us oh yeah one of the one of the things that excites me most about masonry and it's one of the reasons i i got so involved in this is actually the architecture itself and you talk about and that's a big part of what we are mm-hmm. and i bring that up because i'm segueing to the next question we've all three done some traveling in our days and while on the inside 99 percent of all lodges are laid out the same every lodge is built and designed a little bit differently so where am I going with this is a new question I'm going to start asking because a lot of the interviewees we talked to have said in 50 different lodges in their time. Tim, is there any lodge in particular that sticks out to you where you, you sh- pulled up and you're like, wow, look at this building. And then you got inside the lodge room and you're like, wow, this is absolutely beautiful in here. Oh, there's tons. It just depends on L- – let me ask you this question. What do you consider – beautiful about a lodge well i mean the outside structure is it the uh is it some of the furniture of the lodge is it the display cases with the history that are 100 plus years old of why or 200 years old where they have a an apron from uh, a a master from 200 years ago do you you see what he just did to us introducing that other masonic (laughs) podcast with new host tim poe (laughs) Uh, well, I get what he's saying. Well, Tim, Tim, I'll, I'll answer that because uh, Todd told me about this lodge, and of course, Todd being from Kokomo, and he gives me grief when I say Indy South Kokomo. Uh, you know, you're you're all within an hour drive of that Indianapolis area where you can hit any lodge any night of the week. Todd references this in this Central Indiana lodge all the time that had it an upstairs in it. Yeah. And I, I don't know what it looks like. I've never seen pictures. But in my mind, I envision this as just being one of the most beautiful lodges in the state. When he Co- talks about Howard there's lodge? a top floor and a bottom floor. and Howard Lodge? The one Co- you talked about where you're oh, like, there's I- people upstairs filled and there's people downstairs filled. Oh. Well, yeah, I've been to, you know, there's, there's Howard Lodge in Kokomo. And they have a balcony in their lodge. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's people sitting up top. There's well, people sitting below. I'm saying when they had the Pennsylvania degree team there, they had the, the balconies full then. You know, and then, like, I've never been to Branchville Lodge, which is just right across the county line in Perry County. We could spit across the county line. But, you know, I see pictures of their floor and sitting in there. It looks beautiful. But then I see pictures of the Schofield House, and it's like, wow, that's the most beautiful building and then, you know, you see all the furniture on the inside. You know when a lodge is really beautiful to me? When they have church pews. Because <laughs> I can fit my butt in there and I don't have to squeeze into tight little chairs. <laughs> like the lodge over in Pike County, uh, the one on uh, Pike Lodge. I've never been there. Oh, man. I cannot fit in them chairs. I had to find a fold-up chair and sit on the floor because I couldn't sit in the fold-down chairs they had. Like, I had know. to get like an old, like, you know, dining room chair. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you want a lodge well, to have beautiful furniture? Give me a church pew to fit my hips. There's so I, I get which. That's why I, I can't answer that. I mean, there's Branchville has some 
the tapestries on the wall that are extremely old. I don't even want to venture to guess the date on it, but they're beautiful. Or if you go to the, the George Washington Masonic Memorial in D.C., it mm-hmm. has George Washington's aprons. Yep. That So it's like, though it's to me, what makes a beautiful lodge is the rich history that they have. Okay. Vincent's number one. Phil talks Vincent. about it all the time. He said it's Still the first lodge. <laughs> Still haven't been there yet. I haven't been there either. <laughs> but, you know, but Tim, so, Tim, have you been down there? I've been to Vincent's number one. Phil talks about it like it is a place you must see. It's the first lodge in Indiana. He's like, you got to see it. It is, but there's. It's like everybody talks about the lodge they've got to see. Like uh, Noblesville has a beautiful lodge. Kokomo has a beautiful lodge. Yeah, I've been to both those. It's and and it's an hour and ten minutes to Kokomo. By the way, Jared, just just pointed that out. An hour and ten, ten minutes. minutes matters. Give or take, yeah. Ten minutes matter. Yeah. It does. <laughs> It does, especially well, on 31. Now uh, they got to bypass. They they, by, they bypass Kokomo now. So. <laughs> yeah, 31 goes around Kokomo now, so now you're safe. It does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, I don't go into Kokomo much. I just go to the airport at Kokomo. So okay. That's, that's, I, I just go to, is it Tolby Turnpike? Yeah. And that's where I get off. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know where you're going there. <laughs> But yeah, um, I always figured a lodge isn't the, the lodge isn't the building to me. The lodge is the people. That's that's so a good point. That is a good be point. Beautiful. If everybody's in harmony, everyone's getting along, everyone's active in it. That you, you see lodge. what I'm saying though? Oh, like yeah. I like architecture is a big part of what we oh, do. Yeah. I, as far as just actual physical structure and the way it's right. laid out and everything, there's there's beauty in that. Oh yeah, there always always yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, I've hey, seen the. Hey, I'm with you. Sorry. Huh. Sorry for turning your question upside that's down. That's all right, Tim. Right. That's hey, that's that's, that's what we're it. here for. It's part of it. But you know, I've been to the Grand Lodge building. I've been in the lodges, the Grand Lodge. You've been into a Grand Lodge, a lodge hall, and everything. I've been Scottish Rite, beautiful, most beautiful. If you talk just pure beauty and architecture, I mean, the Scottish Rite, Rite Cathedral is going to top everything. Oh yeah. You've got people that aren't even Masons that hear about this building in Indianapolis, and they're. You know, I, I got on YouTube and looked up videos. There's people that aren't even Masons that take a tour inside this mm-hmm. building, and they're just amazed. And then you, every video you're watching, like, why is there a sword hanging in the middle of the room? And <laughs> That's part of the degree. That, yeah. <laughs> so, well, speaking of, like, appendant bodies, Tim, what, what, are you a, a part of any other appendant bodies? Uh, true appendant bodies, that is a no. Like I York Rite, Scottish Rite? I am not a member of the York Rite, Scottish Rite, or the Shrine, um, and I'm not. I'm a member of the Sahara Grotto. Uh, okay. I've yet to be. I've yet to go to a meeting because I moved. But right. uh, I another Grotto person. <laughs> how, We're everywhere. <laughs> and let me let me kind of explain why. Um, I you know my dad was a, a Scottish writer and, and a York writer and. I can't remember if he was in the shrine or not. I know my grandfather uh, on his side was, and there's, I love the, that the appendant bodies, but personally, I wanted to learn everything in Blue Lodge masonry before I moved on to build that foundation before I jumped into something else that had more ritual to give me. I wanted that strong foundation of learning. Well, I see that. So before I, 
So before joining an appendant body, I wanted to learn everything in Blue Lodge Masonry. Now, I've got friends that have been pushing for different things over the years, and I may join the the York right down here. Um, Because my goal, by October stated meeting for Bartimaeus, I plan to get my ultimate master ritualist pin, meaning that I've done all the ritual in Indiana, Indiana Blue Lodge Masonry. Yeah, that's amazing so, right there. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Yeah, I've only got as far as senior ritualist, so. I, I don't know if I'll be the youngest, because I know uh, Jacob has been working on it, but uh, Doc's grandson, but I know that mm-hmm. uh, it, it means a lot to me to, to, to do it and to finish, and I want to finish it that way I can still help Indiana, but also I can transition to help, you know, start learning the, the differences in Alabama ritual because Alabama, none of it's written down. It's all mouth yeah. to ear. So yeah. it's, it's a little bit harder to, to learn it. So to devote that time, I want to, I want to finish one chapter and have that down path. And then I can start learning more. And I know worst brother, Eric, Cleveland down here, and uh, there's a couple other brothers that really, really want me to do it. There's a down here. So, Tim, how how would how do you handle? Uh, and I'm sure that it's happened to everybody at least once. How do you handle people that find out you're uh, a Freemason and they, you know, tend to give you uh, a little bit of grief? They, you know you hear about the negative connotations and stuff that goes with it. How do you tend to handle those situations? For me, it's, you know, if someone has a, has an issue with masonry, it's that's on them. I'd be more than happy to discuss it, but you know, in one of our, an EA charge, it actually specifically says you should not, to exactly. argue with people that don't know. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get the actual line right now, but if you give me a minute, it'll come to me. But An irreligious libertine, a madman, or a fool. Well, true. Let me. I'm trying to remember the actual line of the charge real quick, but uh, that's... Those that's who... I'm trying to think about it, too. Those who in ignorance may ridicule... I'm, I'm drawing yeah. a blank too, something like that. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm at when it comes to when it comes to. That. I, I so. joke, and you've heard it on the past episodes. I joke that I, they're all just jealous they don't get to come in here and ride the goat around the room with us. That's because that's what we do. We ride the goat around the room. It's, ah, okay, I think I remember. It. Um. Uh. For no account of the cat, neither are you to suffer your zeal for the institution to lead yourself into argument with those through a- ignorance may ridicule it. That's right. the line. It took, took us a minute to get there, but we landed that point. <laughs> yeah, from the EA yeah. So I was that, telling riding the goat around the room, you oh, know. Yeah, we gotta do that every time. Yeah. yeah. You know, or you know, we keep the as the stone as the Simpson says in the stone cutters, we keep <laughs> the aliens under wraps. That's right. There uh, you yeah. go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, that was the first YouTube video. <laughs> but, uh, 
I was just watching that the other day on TikTok, the whole, the whole yeah. stone cutters thing. I was a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that's, that's the beauty that we have as one second. Nick. <laughs> Stand by. Stand by for dog. Dog. The dog is going dog bonkers. Tim might have company. He might have to let us go. No, Greta's barking at someone on a uh, scooter. Oh. <laughs> so that was something that. Uh, so we have that, you know, responsibility. But it's like anything else that we are taught to subdue our passions. So it's like. And if we go back to ritual, like we just pointed out, there's an instance that we just pulled out of ritual that tells us how to better ourselves and act when faced with difficult situations like that. Tim, do you have a favorite piece of ritual that you do? I mean, everybody tends to, to favor one particular piece. Like, that's the one I enjoy doing the most. Do you, if you had a single something out, do you know what that would be? I, if you had asked me about a year ago, I would have said the optional charge for the Master Mason degree. That's the one where you did uh, all the steps. The yeah, on yeah, yep. Um, and that was the first thing that I was kind of known for around Central Indiana. But you know, the middle chamber, I love the staircase lecture. I love some of the things out of it. The, you know, I, I really don't know. I can't narrow it down because I love it all. Um, there's parts of the past master degree that I think are extremely por- important, yep. but there's parts of every degree that's important. So I, I don't really, I can't narrow it down. I really can't. I think with me, my favorite part is if you, you're in the East and you're getting ready to you just obligated to Braille, and you go back, put your hat back on, everything, and then you ask the Braille, what do you both desire? That's the whole thing after that's kind of the part I like doing the most. I mean, technically, my favorite thing is is doing the memory lectures on the first two degrees, but if you mean like honest to goodness ritual, it's uh, because I've I've spent so much time with this entered apprentice charge in the last year, I've really taken a shine to that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that and the working tools. I am down for working tools in all three degrees. I love it. I've never done them, but I know I could do it if I was asked. Well, if you'd been here, you could. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. Anytime after the obligation and matches, what you most desire. Lights. That's, that's what I. That's why I enjoy doing that part probably the most. That's when that brother, you see that brother's eyes open up. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, Jim Sharp doing the Bible presentation. Oh, yeah. I mean. The way he, he does, does that, the way he does that with the uh, the first six words. Oh, yeah. Isn't it six words? I'm, I'm trying to count. Yeah, Isn't it six? I think it blew six, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of the most impressive ones I've seen. I've seen Bible lectures done many You know, ways. I've I've never. He does it, and I love it. I've never thought about that until i seen him do it. And then I witnessed Bill Shobe do it, and. Uh, since I've came back into masonry a year, it's been what a year and a half, probably. Yeah. Uh, since I've came back in the last year and a half, there's been three brothers in particular who've had a profound impact on me. That's Randy Seipel, 
That's Matt Parker from French Lick, and that's Brother Bill Shobe. And uh, Brother Bill, uh, he does it, and he borrowed it. I watched him. I'm pretty sure I watched him borrow that from Jim Sharp. I think I seen him do it that way once too. And it's just like you never think about that, but when they're giving that Bible presentation and then they're they go back to the entered apprentice degree for it. And it's like, you never think about that, but then you leave and you're like, that really was the first six words I ever uttered when I was in lodge. And then it just, it, it's beautiful how it ties all together. So yeah, I never thought about it until you mentioned it and like, wow, that's awesome. (laughs) It is. And that's something, you know, going back a little bit, sorry to go back. No, that's fine. Having mentors, so we've thrown out names like Phil, Brother Phil, Brother Jackie, uh, Harold, and all of them. Phil, Phil, Jim Sharp, Harold, Max Holland, uh, Ken Ruckersfeld, Carl. Mm-hmm. You know all these brothers that are you know Sam Spears that don't you know if someone comes in the lodge, they are willing to help you learn. Oh yeah, you know that's something else. You know. EA charge, you'll be just as willing to give. They'll be just as willing to give as you're willing to receive. As you are willing to receive instruction, mm-hmm. that right there is profound. Because if you're talking about keeping brothers in, it's it's getting them involved. They've seen all the degree work, right? And it's very large. There's, you know, let's take the middle chamber. It's what four or five thousand words. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot to learn. But I had a, a very fun experience the last weekend in, when I was in Indiana. I was able to do the middle chamber a couple different ways. The first time I did it was with uh, Wish Brother Phil. I called him one day, and I go, Phil, I have an idea. And I want to do a piece of ritual with you, and I'd love for you to do it with me. Would you be willing to do it? He goes, yeah, sure. What is it? I want to divide up the middle chamber a little bit. And we did. I went through the columns, and we got to the staircase part. We watched him do that, too. There was a degree at Jasper or Honeyburg before Tim left. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That right there, it it was so cool. Phil and I knew the lecture, and I'll never forget Jim Sharp was kind of kind of helping the inspiration behind this. Him and Max Holland were sitting on the sidelines. Jim had uh, pulled out an old, they pulled out their old school teacher and were taking notes on how we did it and grading us. And uh, <laughs> sounds about right. I think it, which I loved. And then a few days later, Jim and I did it together. And it was the last time. You know, the last middle chamber I did in, uh, in Indiana before I moved down was with Jim Sharp. And I, I can't remember which lodge it was at. It was at the Evansville Masonic Temple. Mm-hmm. And he, he gave me paragraphs. We had paragraphs that we wanted to do. And he did it a completely different way, and it was beautiful. We played off each other extremely well. And it, it goes to show how you can divide up these big lectures to make it more attainable and bite-sized people or look at the, the way Max Holland and I think, uh, worship brother, most worship brother, Kenny Roy do the, 
first lecture in the Internet Apprentice degree. They do it in question and answer. Right. Just like how Phil and I did a couple different things. That breaks it up, but what is that also gets two people involved. Mm -hmm. And giving brothers opportunity to learn work, because that was something that, you know, here I, I was an 18-year-old master mason, and I started to do work, and it took those mentors pushing me because they're like, why is this younger Mason wanting to do work at times? And those mentors really pushed and helped me progress. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what they're there for. They're to help you get you going forward, keep you going forward, keep that momentum in your, and you, mm-hmm. you know, push you. A good mentor will do that. So, you know, some of them will just say, well, you, you got that. You learned a crossfire. That's all you need to know. Yeah, that's not that's there's more to it than that. Yeah. Like I was lucky, like I like I always say, like when I was learning, it it was it wasn't just the memory lecture, it was it was other things, but boy was memory lecture drug like driven into me. And like I said, I you know, my dad it was it was okay, here's a word, don't worry about it. But with, with Papaw it was Okay, you missed a word. We're starting over. And I'm like, Grandpa, it's one word. Yep, we're starting over. Whereas with Dad, it's like one time we were we were working on my fellow craft, and uh, I messed up and I stopped. Or no, it was my entered apprentice. I messed up and I stopped and I started over. My dad's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, your father <laughs> has me in the practice of when I miss one word, we start over. My dad goes, I'm not my father. Continue. But it was, you know, there, there's more to it than that. But the point is that you still have to drive home the crossfire. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's your obligation, basically. I mean. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And so something my dad and I do, and it's, it's funny to watch, is we'll sit there and count how many words that we miss when we're doing degree work together. Oh, wow. <laughs> and just, just keep, keep track. And it, it's, 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 a, it's fun because... It pushes because every one of us wants to be letter perfect. Oh, yeah. We want to nail it and do a good job, but we're human. Oh, yeah. We're all trying to obtain that that sublime perfection. And that's the beauty of learning and progressing is we may never get there, but it's all a journey because masonry is not does not just stop after your third degree. Nope. You know, we learned that it's a it's a lifelong practice yep. that you've got to work on. And it's like doing anything in life. You know, if you want to be good at something, it takes practice. It takes dedication. It takes time. Um, and there will be stumbling blocks. There, there will be days, um, like we, we talked about earlier, that you botch something. You mess it up. And the mentors that sit there and go, you're doing it again. You don't have a choice. I volunteered you. Yeah. That's, that, that really helps. And it's like anything in life, masonry can be applied to. It's take your time, you're learning, and then you're moving on. So you can you learn everything in, in youth. You apply it in your vocation. That way you can live your life in the character of a master mason, joyous of a well-spent life 
and die in the hope of a blessed immortality. There you go. Another piece, another piece of ritual that applies to everyday life. Well, brother Tim, I think we're going to start to to put a bow on this, and that's not the nothing to say that I believe we're going to have you back on because. Yeah, uh, as we're as we're finding out with a lot of these guys, we're only scratching the surface, and uh, so we're definitely going to have you back on. But before we let you go, I'm going to propose the the final question that we have started asking on every interview, and uh, many, 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 many moons from now, when your Ashler's perfect, and you lay down your working tools, what do you hope the legacy? of Tim Poe as a master Mason was, what do you hope people remember about your Masonic journey? That is a very tough question that we don't, we don't ask the easy ones here. <laughs> no, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough question because I, I think the, the legacy that I would want, is not for the work that I have I personally done, but it's the work that has inspired others to do work. So not anything that I've personally done or be recognized for work that I've done, but it's those that have I've helped in the process. That so, is a beautiful answer. That's a very beautiful answer. Um, because that's that's what we're about. I have absolutely loved having you on the show. Oh yeah, I'm so glad you 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 just like I'll come on last minute, no big deal. I know you. I mean, the guys playing with aliens and protecting the country from uh, asteroids destroying the planet. I mean, that's a busy man right there, folks. Don't let that you know. Don't take that easy. To that point. Uh, I talked to Phil and, and Max this weekend, and the first question they asked her, are you up in Kokomo flying or are you in Alabama? And I go, well, I'm in Alabama this weekend. So, but. <laughs> Well, I've, I've, I've loved having you on. Like I said, uh, your dad's going to be a future guest. Uh, I was oh, yeah. busy that day, so uh, Brother Todd fielded most of the Facebook messages with uh, your dad, but uh, – uh, he'll be on the show eventually. We're obviously going to have you back. Uh, go ahead, Tim, one more time for uh, all the listeners. Go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, run through your uh, your titles, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I'm Tim Poe. I'm past master of Speedway Lodge number 500 in Speedway, Indiana. And I am a dual member with – or plural member, rather, with Falkville Lodge number 396 in Falkville, Alabama – and Meadowland Lodge, number 398, in Hartsville, Alabama. And I'm a proud honorary member of Bartimaeus Lodge under dispensation. And that's it. That's me. You know uh, that, don't, that uh, to some people that might not sound like a lot of titles, but uh, the body of work you have amassed in uh, 11 years is pretty impressive. Yep. So uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Mr. Nobody now, and that's, and that's okay. Hey, well, uh, you might you might call yourself a Mister Nobody, but to uh, that other Masonic podcast, you're one of our biggest supporters. Oh yeah, and uh, Todd and I thank you tremendously for that. Absolutely, no, no problem. And I, I, I appreciate what you you guys are doing because you're bringing light to and putting Masonry out there, and you're you're putting 
individuals, and I'm not included in this, that that have a very profound impact on masonry. If you're you're getting, you know, Harold Huffman, the Jim Sharps, the Max Hollins, the Sam Spears, the Bill Shobes, the, you know, I think you had uh, past grandmaster Roger Van Gordon on. That was just that was have. that was just today. Uh, uh, that uh, episode will be out, and well, by the time people hear this, I mean it'll have already been out, but that'll be a couple weeks away from coming out. But uh, I could talk to you for another three hours. Oh man, he he ran over two hours with with that episode, but it was uh, it was fantastic, uh, and that's one of the things that uh, Todd and I, which I appreciate what you're saying, but I speak on this usually more than Todd does, just because I I interrupt Todd all the time. But yep. uh, this started out uh, just as a joke. Because, like I said, uh, you know, I had that other podcast, Steel Toes and Scoreboards, where I, you know, get a little more loose with the tongue. So I'd always tell people, don't listen to that unless you want to hear plenty of expletives. But Todd finding out I had podcast equipment, Todd prepositioned me. He's like, let's do a Masonic podcast. You've already got the equipment. I'm like, that's not going to work. Nobody wants to hear about masonry podcasts in the state of Indiana, which by that time, Todd had turned me on to start listening to a few of them. And then the more I started thinking about it, I was like, there's all these guys from this state. There's two or three of them in Ohio. I'm like, there's nobody podcasting about masonry in the state of Indiana. So we started it, and I thought it would not take off. And, man, I don't want to toot our own horn. I try to stay humble. But toot, toot, we are uh, – I'm loving the feedback we're getting. This thing has exploded out from underneath us with so much outpouring of support and downloads and – you know, Todd and I can go to a lodge. It's happened here lately a couple times where uh, we, as we go around the room and introduce ourselves to the candidate, I usually, you know, me and Todd are like, yo, co-host, co-founder of that other Masonic podcast. Well, it happened a few, uh, a couple months ago. Uh, we were up at French Lick Lodge for a uh, for a degree. And after the degree, one of the guys stopped us. He's like, you guys do that other Masonic podcast? He's like, we just started listening to that about a month ago. And uh, what's you got the analytics right there? Yeah, I got two thousand downloads. Already. Two thousand downloads, and, and two thousand downloads in seven months. And it took me a year and a half to get two thousand downloads with steel toes and scoreboards. <laughs> so, like, what we're talking about in the content, and a lot of that is in part to you know Tim, two brothers like you who are like, man, these guys are great. You ought to check them out. And, uh, you know, we just had a past grandmaster on today who told us, I love what you guys are doing for the state. That's awesome. You know, at Founders Day, Richard Lentz, I told Todd I was never going to wash that hand again. Lentz shook our hands and was like, I heard about you guys, and I want you to know I appreciate what you're doing for the fraternity in the state. I'm like, oh, my God, this just happened. <laughs> so it, it's been a phenomenal ride, but it, it wouldn't have happened without brothers like you who support us. So, you know, you thank me and Todd all you want and all actuality, it's me and Todd's got to thank guys like you for taking time out of your day and coming on to tell your story because that's the whole thing. Once, once you guys are gone and, uh, you know, once a brother lays down his tools, his story goes with him. So why not try to capture that on tape? And that's something that, that points out my, when you asked about my legacy that I want to leave, you guys just summed it up. You guys are taking the legacies of everybody that you get on and you're passing it on to inspire future generations. Mm-hmm. That's why when I when I reached out to you, to you guys, you know, 
thanking you for what you're doing. I provided names of people you should get on that have been a profound impact on me, you know, and I've shouted a lot of them out, you know, Phil, Jerry Matlock, uh, Eric and Ken Rockersfeld, um, you know, Carl Coleman, Roger Van Golden, which you just had on, Randy Seipel, uh, Harold Huffman, Jim Sharp, Max Holland. I could, I could keep listing names because I know I'm forgetting individuals, but it's, right. it's a family and, you know, I don't know how Phil does it, but he says he never gets nervous. I get nervous, <laughs> but it is, it is a family and, you know, as a family, we make each other better. And that's what you guys are doing is you're recording that and that, that speaks volumes. So. Well, Brother Tim, we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, Brother Todd, you want to? Uh, no, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brother Tim, uh, appreciate it. I'll let you know when this goes live. Brother, take care, and we will have you back sometime. I promise. Yep, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you both. Thank you very much for having me. All right, have All a right. good night, buddy. See you too. Bye. That's been a tremendous day. Oh, my God. It's still yes. early enough. You want to do one more? But I think if we do one more, maybe not do an interview this time. Yeah, let's, let's back off. Because we've had back to back to back. I so we uh, can try to contact somebody, but. No, no, I'm good. Let, why don't we just do one with us? We could do that. Take about a 10-minute break. Yeah, that's right. We're, it's, uh, I, I love time stamping these now just because I want to see how long it is till we record again because <laughs> yeah, we went a month with me moving. Yeah. But, uh. Sunday, April 23rd is going to be a day we remember for a long time. Yeah. This has been awesome. Uh, what a great interview. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, so for Brother Todd. And yeah, for Brother Eric. Or, or brother Jared, Eric. I don't know where Eric came from. Uh, our, <laughs> all right, this has been another episode of That Other Masonic Podcast. We always appreciate your support and feedback, and we will see you guys next time. Later.